Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Children don't really understand what it costs parents for them to be who they are. It costs parents sleep, not one night sleep, for you to be who you are. It costs parents years of sacrifice, avoiding social, social time. Instead of going to watch a movie or go to meet with her friend or his friend, parents sacrifice social time for you and for children to be who they are. We sometimes endure abusive relationships just to stay so that we can raise children. Parents make all those sacrifices. We, 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 we live on strict budgets just to raise children so that they can go to school. Parents will go miles and miles, kilometers and kilometers to work just to come and raise children. When you look at children, they don't appreciate all this. It takes time for children to appreciate it. It takes time for them to grasp, to understand the sacrifice of parents. And, and I'm not trying to say that parents don't make mistakes or all parents are angels. I'm not saying this. I'm just saying I acknowledge in a normal situation, parents go through a lot for children to be who they are, to get what they have. It takes time for us to realize that. But it's not just about children. It's about human beings. It took time for humanity to understand what it cost God for us to be who we are. We forget the price God paid for our freedom. Human beings, just look around. You'll see how humanity has forgotten what God has done for us to have the freedom and the life we have. It takes time for us to realize. And I, and I wrote this, acknowledging the sacrifice helps you appreciate the result. You may be looking at you today and you blame people, you blame things, you blame life because you don't know the sacrifice that your parent put into place. They, they did the best they could. And that's the result they had. So, we can complain, but that's the best they knew. We are living in a generation of information. We can read about parenting online. They didn't have all that. They knew what they saw their parents doing. And that's the best they could have done. We can blame them. They did not have Facebook and YouTube to read how to parent. But we have it. Sacrifice. If you don't acknowledge the sacrifice or the price... You cannot value the product. Throughout the Bible, we see God's people giving sacrifices for the forgivenesses of their sins. They pay the sacrifices to be forgiven. In fact, the first sacrifice was given by God himself. When, God, when Adam and Eve sinned, God himself made a sacrifice. He killed an animal and covered their nakedness, sacrifices for sin. If you read the, the Genesis, you'll discover 
price. The price was paid. You know, there is a difference between making a sacrifice and making a sacrifice to God. You can kill an animal without giving it to God. So killing an animal is one thing, but killing an animal for God or to God was another thing. So you can make a sacrifice without making a sacrifice to God. So today I'm going to talk about giving a sacrifice to God. God himself designed that before you give him a sacrifice, it needs to be on an altar. It needs to be presented well. The way you give is important to him. So, he himself, he designed, he said, before you give a sacrifice to me, you need to build a platform. Because it's, you can kill an animal on the floor and say you are giving it to God. But he said, no, before you give to me, build an altar. Build a platform for me to receive it. What's an altar? It's a construction, usually, usually a wood, a stone, or, or, or metal for the offering of sacrifice. But again, it says the altar is the place where humanity meets divinity. Or divinity meets humanity. Altar. Altars were built to invite God's presence. Like when Noah built an altar, he was inviting God there. But at the same time, altars were built after realizing the presence of God. Like when, uh, when uh, Jacob ran and he was himself and he found himself in a place and then he slept there and then he saw a dream and he saw angels ascending and descending. He realized God is here. He acknowledged the presence of God by building an altar. So altars were built either to invite God or to acknowledge that God is already there. Invitation or acknowledgement. Genesis 35, 7. He built an altar. In both cases, there was a rendezvous between humanity and divinity. There was God and humans meeting. Then they built an altar. So the sacrifice was just a symbol of something. But it was more than just that. It was a system. It was where gods met with human beings. So let me give you a bit of history of altars. Before Moses, there is no indication of God's requiring or asking people to build an altar. We don't see that in God asking. But we knew Noah before that. Noah did it. Abraham did it. Uh, Jacob did it. Isaac did it. They built an altar to God. But we don't see God asking for it. Because it was also part of the culture of other nations. People were building altars for, for their God. To invite their God. They built altars. Or to recognize their God. They built altars and they offered sacrifices to other God. It was the culture. If you know you have a God, you build an altar for that God. When Noah knew he's got his God, he built an altar for his God. But for the first time, God himself said, you shall build an altar for me. 
He requested it in the tabernacle. We define altars in Hebrew as a place of slaughter or sacrifice. And this is very important. As we move in this uh, talk today, I want you to follow me. God is asking, show me the tabernacle. Mikris, give us the tabernacle. God says, this is a place where I will dwell. In the Old Testament, he says, I will dwell here. So Moses, go and build this place where me, God, I will come and reside among you, my people. And this is how you will make it. God gives instruction for every detail in the tabernacle. And he says, at the gate of the tabernacle, the very first thing I want there is an altar. A place of sacrifice. Before you see anything else, before you meet with me, before you go to offer other offerings and other things and worship, the very first thing I want you to put at the gate is an altar. So you can see to the right, there is an entrance gate. And then, first of all, we have altar of burnt offerings. When you enter the, earth, the, 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 the tabernacle, you smell burnt animals. You, you hear the sound of animals dying and crying. When you enter there, you sense the smell of burning flesh. It's a dirty place. A painful place. You will, bring, you will bring your animal. Come to me, brother. And then the priest will ask you, what's your family name? You, you say you are, your family name? Forel. Fry. He stands for his family. He brings an animal, young animal, that you raise yourself. You will understand that this animal has got a relationship with the family. You, you love it. You raise it yourself. And you bring it in the name of your family. All your children, your wife, and everybody with you under your name. You bring the animal here. We take the animal. You kill the animal. You feel the pain of the animal. Then we put it on the altar. We burn it. The pain of the animal, the dirt, the, 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 the cry, the blood of the animal appeases God's anger towards your family. You may, you may sit. Every head of the family will go and give an offering and they will kill it and they will kill it on behalf of the family. It means your family was supposed to be killed for their sins, but the animal will die for your family. After you kill the animal, you burn the animal, you go back home for another year, your family will be at peace with God. And then you come again next year. And then you come again. This blood only covered the sins of families. God saw that it was not enough. And Jesus came. 
Jesus wanted to give another offering to God that will not just cover our sins, but it will remove, take them away in the eyes of God. Jesus needed an altar. He needed an altar to give that sacrifice to God. They made a cross for him as an altar where he will die. The cross is the representation of the altar where Jesus was killed. Blood, screams, smell, everything just like to the altar happened there. The, the, the priest is giving the burnt offering on behalf of the family. That's how Jesus did. He was given as a sacrifice on your behalf and my, my behalf. The difference between those, the result of those two sacrifices is that Jesus did not just cover the sin. The lamb appeased God, but Jesus satisfied him. The lamb covered sin, but Jesus removed it. Jesus removed it. The life taken from Jesus Christ was imputed in you. The life taken from the lamb was just replacing the life of people. But this one, Jesus' life, was not just taken from him. It was given to you. There was a transfer, substitutions of lives. Jesus' lives. Jesus' life for yours. John 1, 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Substitution happened. He did not just pay for my sin, but he took it away. It should have been me, but he took it. He took it. I want you to understand this. Jesus took it. He did not cover it. The cross was the perfect altar, and Jesus' body was the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. So that's the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. What about today? Where is the altar today? I, I, I want to give you three points. Three points that I want you to remember about the altar. One, the altar was recognized by blood, pain, and dirty. So that you can bring your dirt, your pain to God. At the entrance, when you enter the presence of God, he wants you to know that it was dirty so that you can bring your dirt. God is not afraid of your mistakes. He's not shocked when you make a mistake. God is not shocked. Oh, he's done it again. No, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Oh, he's fallen again. Oh, he's lying again. God does not do that. He's not shocked when you make a mistake. He's rather shocked when you, you fail to stand again. It is normal for him to see human beings sin. It is abnormal for him when we stay in our sins. Because he has provided a way out. The altar was dirty so that you can bring your dirt. It was dirty so that you can bring your dirt. You know what? It was in an open space. 
That's the altar was constructed. You enter the gates. It was an open space where the sacrifice was made. Jesus was killed in an open space. Everybody was watching. He got all the shame so that you can bring your shame. So that I can bring my shame. He endured the shame so that you can bring your shame. So what, what is the thing that you are ashamed of? In your past, you've done things. You've made mistakes. You've made mistakes. You're facing consequences. Today, you don't know what to do. I'm telling you, Jesus endured shame so that you don't need to carry your shame anymore. We don't need to carry our shame anymore. We don't need to carry our dirt anymore. Jesus has carried it. The altar was painful so that we can bring our pain. Any pain in your life is welcome at the altar. We all make mistakes. Bring your mistakes to Jesus. We all make mistakes. Second point. The problem with living sacrifices is that they keep crawling off the altar. That's the problem with living sacrifices. If you look at the altar, there were four horns on the four side. The, the, the role of those four corners was to tie it up. To make sure the animal is tied there. If it keeps moving, they make sure it stays there. And Jesus was sacrificed on, 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 on the altar of the cross. Four corners. He couldn't move. He couldn't live there. He chose to. The problem with us, we crawl from the altar. Paul says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul is not asking you to die again for your sins or to give yourself as a sacrifice so that God may accept you. That's not what Paul is saying. God has accepted you. He's asking you, to give your bodies as a sacrifice in response to God's love. Paul is asking us to give ourselves as a sacrifice because we've been accepted. We belong to Jesus. There is an altar that Jesus wants you to lay yourself there every day, every day, every day. Because he has done the hard part for you. What does that mean? In Luke chapter 9 verse 23, Jesus said, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We have an altar today where we need to put our lives and lay our lives there, which is our own crosses. Jesus doesn't want us to build altars as in the Old Testament anymore. Jesus has died on the cross to replace the old altars. But he said, there is a spiritual cross. There is a spiritual altar that you need to lay your life on every day. And that is your cross. Take on your cross and follow me. What does that mean? You don't live by your own rules anymore. You begin to live by Jesus' rules. Regardless of how it feels. 
If you live by your own rules, you are escaping the altar. And that's the problem with living sacrifices. They don't stay to the altar. They don't stay to the altar. You come to church, you decide, I'm returning to the altar. Jesus, I will live for you. Before evening, living sacrifice is out of the altar again. You are living by your own rules. You forget what Jesus told you. You forget to follow him. He says, if you don't carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. He doesn't want you. He's not asking you to, 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 to burn yourself. He's not asking you to, to put yourself in a situation where you will be burnt and you'll be killed. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's, he's saying, follow him. He's asking us to follow him. That means staying on the altar. Stay on the altar. Stay there. The moment you stop living for yourself, you start living for Jesus. You are truly his disciple. That's when you are giving your life as a living sacrifice. That's what it means. Your desires becomes his desires. Like you, you, you align your desires to his desires. It can be a very good morning with a good TV show on, with a good air condition. But you feel, oh, I need to go to church again. I need to wake up and shower. Yes. You're not living for you. You want that TV show so much that when you go to that internet, you, that, that, that link, you, you just want it. And Jesus said, no, you can't be watching that. And you surrender. You say, yes, Jesus, I will not watch this because of you. Last night, I finished to prepare, prepare my messages. And I was looking at the news. There was a very, very tem tempting link. That I, was, I wanted to click there. What you do? But I could see this girl there, and I was, if I click there and I find that girl is not dressed well, what am I going to preach tomorrow? Hmm. And then Jesus reminds me, it's not about your desires anymore. You're not clicking there. Oh, I kept looking. <laughs> Finally, I didn't. Praise God. I just ignored it. I said, God, I can't preach things that I don't live. I need to live for you. You know, receiving Jesus as your savior is beautiful. He rescues you from hell to heaven. You are not going to hell because you have given your life to Jesus. Praise the Lord. We are all going to heaven. But receiving him as your Lord is the issue. And that's what makes a difference. That's what will make, makes your life productive, effective in his eyes. That's what makes you, that's when you discover your purpose. When you receive him as your Lord, you hear his voice and you obey. If you want to be his disciple, carry your cross and follow him. It simply means don't live by your own rules anymore. Don't click that link. Follow his rules. What he says you should do, you do. What he says you shouldn't do, you don't do. And he, he has given us the grace to do it. We have the grace to do it. Stay 
Sometimes circumstances will tie you up so that you don't move from the altar until you meet God. Uh, listen to this. If you keep crawling and avoiding the altar, God will make it in your life so that circumstances will bring you and keep you to the altar. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Jonas. Jonas was running from the altar, from the presence of God. And God is saying, I'm with you. I will go behind you until I get you. And Jonah, no, I don't want this. And God is saying, I'm after you. And Jonah said, no, I'm running to this. From going there, I will go this side. God said, no problem. I will wait in front of you. I will go in front of you. And then God prepared this fish. And bah, Jonah is now tied up to the altar. Oh, God, I'm here now. Three days. You know. You know. Three days. You have no choice. Jonas, don't you obey? You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. Don't fight your circumstances. Just ask God, am I to the altar? Are you telling me something here? Do you want me, wh what do you want me to do to stay to the altar? And I'm not saying what, what, everything we go through is just because God is uh, punishing us or something. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying out of love, God will allow issues in your life. To draw your attention so that you can come back to the altar. If you keep running, he will keep following. Because he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to, to perish. Right. The last point. The altar is not just an old religious icon. It is a place where humanity and divinity meet. So we had those old... Altars that were built to give offerings to God and sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins. Then Jesus came and said, no, you shouldn't be doing that anymore. I will give an ultimate, I will give my own body as a sacrifice to the altar of the cross. But those who will follow me, those who will accept the gift, I will come and dwell with them because that's what altars do. Altars invite Jesus. The altar invites the presence of God. So Jesus said, if you invite me, if you accept the gift, I will come and dwell with you. And that's the point I want to finish with here. When you invite Jesus in your heart, he comes and stays with you. He doesn't leave. Because there is an altar in you. And God wants you to invite him to that altar in your heart. Everything has become spiritual now. We don't need to build an altar here anymore. When we call people to the altar, there is a song we sing. Oh, come to the altar. Can you sing that for us when we finish? Just the chorus. I know you didn't practice this, but you can sing that for us. When we call you to the altar, we are asking your heart, your heart to open up to the presence of God. Sometimes we can ask you to raise your hands up. That's not the altar. It's just a sign, outside sign, that you've made a decision in your heart. Sometimes we can ask you to repeat a prayer. It's just a sign to confess what has happened already in your heart. We can ask you to come forward and really work toward him. I'm not asking, I'm not the altar. This stuff is not the altar. This is not the altar. We can call this place an altar because spiritually speaking, we want to represent the presence of God. But it's not the altar. The altar is spiritual. 
It's where Jesus dwells. He's inviting you there. In his dwelling. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Today, Jesus is calling you to the altar. Will you meet him there? Jesus is calling you to the altar in his presence. Are you running from the altar? Jesus is calling you to the altar. He has paid the price for your sins. Would you receive him and his free gift of forgiveness? He has paid the price. You don't need to bring an animal again in the name of your family. You don't need to do that. They used to do that before. We are living in the best, the best generation ever. We don't need to pay sacrifices for our forgiveness. Jesus has done that. Just imagine people who were born 100 years before Jesus. Just imagine that. Did not have, they did not have the luxury of just being forgiven because you confessed. No. You can confess 100,000 times until you pay the price of an animal. Your sins will not go anywhere. We are living in a generation where we can just admit in our heart that we accept Jesus and that's it. Just believe and that's it. You are forgiven. That's grace. That's grace. You don't need to pay any money. You don't need to buy any animal, any lamb to be forgiven. And Jesus is calling you today. Would you respond? He has paid the price for your shame. Would you leave your guilt, your worries, your burden, your pain to the altar today? That's what he did. He took all our shame, all our pain, all of it to the cross. He nailed it. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.